everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Market Shapers. Uh, I'm excited to be joined by Chris Hickman from Evie's Little White House. And uh, a couple weeks ago during an episode you saw, because of our massive budget with sponsorships and advertisers, we were able to buy a table. Uh, now we have mugs. And so, Chris, inaugural cheers. mug, cheers. There we go. Very nice. So we are big time here at Market Shapers now that we have coffee mugs. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I always like to kind of start off with uh, everyone's background, you know, kind of maybe what uh, your first foray into professional career was and then how you got into real estate and just kind of take us through that process a little bit. So I was in human resource management <clears throat> for about 10 years before I got into real estate and uh, enjoyed it, loved it, loved working with people. And then for some reason, I just always wanted to get my real estate license. And so I went through real estate school and a good friend of mine who was with Abby um, asked me to come interview with his manager, which was Rhonda Needham, mm -hmm. uh, still with our company. And so when I did, I thought, okay, this is the career for me. I love it. And uh, realized it was a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> uh, but went into that and just have I've been with Abby ever since, up 17 years ago. Um, a few more gray hairs than I had when I started. Hey, at least you still have them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> barely <laughs> on this side. <laughs> and uh, then Rhonda, fantastic manager, and really taught me to kind of run things like a business, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, which is what I understood from coming out of a business background. And, and it seemed like a really natural transition for me. Yeah, and I assume after 17 years, you must enjoy it and love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, so so 17 years. I mean, that's you know about five times the average lifespan of a real estate agent if you kind of look at it from a national scale. What are some of the things that maybe you attribute to your longevity and success? You know, what you know, something that other people could look to on. Hey, if I really want to make a career out of this, this is not like a pit stop in my mm -hmm. professional life. You know, what is it you look back on and think? Yeah, that's probably some of the things that have allowed me to do this for 17 years. I think the real key for me, and again, I give Rhonda a lot of that credit, is coming into it and looking. Really, the reason I got into it was because I thought, oh, I, I'm my own boss. I don't have to be mm -hmm. at a meeting every week. I don't have to do this. I, don't, you know, I can go. I can have my weekends off, whatever. Yeah, I was shocked by that. Yeah. Coming into it with her and saying, you've got to run it like a business. This is not, you know, yes, you're the only person in the mm -hmm. business at this point, but you have to run it like a business. You're going to have a marketing budget. You're going to have a tax budget. You're going to have to be in the office. And at that point, you had to be there on tour and you had to be at every MLS meeting. Right. And you had to be at the, every office meeting. And truly, that helped me set myself up to, to hopefully be in it long term, um, to run it like a business and realize that there is a marketing budget. Just because you get a $10,000 commission check, right. that's not your $10,000. <laughs> you know, you've got to invest back in your business. So I really appreciate that part of uh, getting my career started from that because I think it's really easy to all of a sudden have a great month right? and you get to go on vacation and buy a new car and you know buy a lake house or whatever and then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I have no other sales for the next three months. But I really tried to discipline myself, not saying I didn't make a lot of those mistakes sure. along the way yeah. and realize a year later that your tax bill is so high that you've got to work even harder to pay right. that. Um, but I really tried to set it up to say, okay, I'm going to have to set some of this aside to pay marketing, mm -hmm. to pay for an assistant, to pay for some you know, closing gifts, things like that. So I think setting it up like a business has really been the most successful thing that I've done in keeping, it, keeping the business long. long right. Longer. And then how much time do you find yourself like, and maybe this is done quarterly or at the front end of the year. You know, uh, do you find yourself kind of doing that business planning as opposed to like what people would traditionally think of as like selling real estate? Right. 
I think that's probably, you know, that's probably 50% of it right. um, for me. Another thing that I learned along the way is to hire the right people that know how to do that. I, I wasn't a business planner. Right. Um, I don't know the, the tax code and those things, so I have um, consistently hired people that know, and that's part of that, that budget, hiring people that know how to do those things and know how to do them correctly, and you get out there and be the rainmaker and sell mm -hmm. and let somebody who knows what they're doing with your, your taxes or your marketing do that part. Right. So, But it, but it still takes a lot of time and I think if you're not doing that you're missing out on the future yeah. business. So. Did you have in the beginning and maybe this is something that Rhonda gave you or, or maybe this has changed over the years but I know one of the questions I get from new agents a lot is well how much should I be spending on marketing? Like mm -hmm. have you ever found a, a generalized rule of thumb that you know 10%, 15%, 5% I mean is there, do you stick to anything like that or is it really more based on the business need of, of what you kind of see for the year coming up? I think in the beginning I kind of went off the 10%, you know, 10% of your budget or 10% mm. of your income is going to be uh, marketing. And then as the market changes, I changed. And so yeah. a lot of times I think your first instinct is, oh, the market is slow. In 2008, 2009, when things got slower, mm -hmm. your, your initial instinct is, okay, we've got to pull back. Yeah, retract. And coming from a business background and, and human resource background, it's, it's really the opposite. It was like, okay, I've got to, hopefully I've saved enough money that I'm going to be able to not just float living expenses, but also continue or be stronger with right. my marketing. Um, because at that time when so many people are getting out of the business because they can't afford to continue marketing, you got to remain. Mm -hmm. And so beefing up your marketing budget at that point is important. And I think that's what, so I ended up spending more money. So then some of those years, 25% of what I made right. was, was marketing budget. Right. So. What have you found, let's say, in the current market that we're in, the one we've been in for the last maybe 18 months and looking forward, um, you know, what are some of the things that you're directing some of your attention to on a marketing perspective that you have found to be effective in today's climate? I think right now uh, it is getting, uh, getting out there and getting the listings, mm -hmm. getting, you know, getting as many signs in the yard as you can, and, um, and really putting yourself out there again. Now is the time that we are spending more money in, in marketing. We've beefed up our marketing budget for the spring market because it has started off a little slower than maybe the, fa the past five or six years. If someone started a few years ago, you got into a market that was great where you barely sure. had to stick a sign in the yard. It's not that market. It's a little bit turning the ship and saying, okay, we've got to price things a little more appropriately. We do have to, you know, we might have been spoiled in the past where we didn't have to run ads hmm. or send postcards or spend money on that, but now is the time to do that, not only for your listening and marketing your listening, but getting out there and marketing yourself for uh, you know the ne for next year. Sometimes it's right. for next year. It may not, may not see the results this year, Yeah. but it's it's <clears throat> keeping that long-term marketing and, and not mailing one or two postcards and thinking, oh, this didn't work. Yep. I've got to, you know, I know it's a two-year span. If you're not yeah. going to commit to it for a couple of years, don't do it. Yeah, and, and I think that's right because I think sometimes if you're just looking at generalized marketing or business advice, you know, so many other businesses, the, the ROI turnaround is so much quicker. Mm -hmm. Like, right, you know, run a commercial, track sales for two weeks. I and mean, we right. just can't do it that way. And we get that question a lot sometimes about, you know, the brokerage running a TV commercial um, or a billboard. And it's, it's, you know, you do want to track ROI, but it's hard to measure that because the right. life cycle is so much longer. Right. It takes a while. What are, so, you know, treating it as a business, um, being kind of disciplined in, you know, what you're doing from a marketing perspective, what are 
some of the other things you kind of look back on that says this is how I made it for 17 years and why I'll do it for another 17 years. Well, I don't want to, maybe you, maybe you plan on retire before that, but <laughs> Probably you're never. here for 17 yeah, I, years. I'm by with the way. Abby yeah. Allen, so yeah. you, there's right. no yeah. retirement. Exactly right. So, um, you got to follow her lead. <laughs> yeah. So another thing I think that really that I learned early on was it, it initially coming into a sales job, because I wasn't in a sales job before. Coming into a sales job, you immediately assume that everyone is your competition. Mm -hmm. And something I learned early on is everyone is your sales force. They're not your competition. And your relationship with other agents is equal to, if not import, more important, than your relationship with your clients. And I think that over the years, um, I think that anyone watching this, hopefully if you've done a deal with <laughs> me, I can say that that is part of what's kept me in this and kept... Um, it, it, and it's helped my sales because yeah. I think when people see my name or do a transaction with me, it's been a pleasant experience. They know I'm going to guide the client in the right direction and uh, be professional and return calls and do things that are going to help make the transaction easier and keeping the relationships. I have some, some great relationships. I've worked, been in, and visited just about every one of our offices and worked out of the offices um, and gotten to know the agents mm -hmm. through my time here with Ebby. And that, and not just with our, our company, but others, but that has been invaluable to me. Right. And having the relationships that I can pick up the phone and call and say, I need help in this area. Can you help me? Or just the fact that, you know, somebody will show my listings because they know that it's going to be a smooth yeah. transaction. Helps my clients and it helps me. You know, I think that's such a great point. We talk a little bit sometimes in the new agent training that, you know, and maybe other, in some of the other sales professions out there where it's more of a one and done kind of thing, right. you can get away with that old style bulldog negotiator. Right. Um, but here it's such a small circle, even, even in a community the size of North Texas, um, it does your client no advantage if you submit an offer and the other agent gets it and they go, oh, it's him. Absolutely. You know, yeah. like you're doing, like, to your point, you're doing your client a favor by being someone other agents look forward to doing business with. Right, and I, I pride myself in that, and I, I sell that when I'm in a listing appointment and say, listen, I can, I can tell you that if my name's in your front yard, it's not gonna be one of those, and I will try for the rest of my career to keep that, yeah. that it's not one of those that you're like, oh gosh, <laughs> do I have to do it? We love the house, person? but. Right, yeah. I'm not selling you this house. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, and that's that's proven to, you know, over the past 17 years to work yeah. for me, so. Yeah. I just like, I like being nice. Yeah, well, and I, you know what, and I, I think that's two amazing things, which is, you know, treating it like a business and then really focusing on, you know, creating relationships. You know, and we rolled out the new mission and, and part of that is lasting relationships. And I think sometimes people think that means us and client, but to right. your point, it also means us and the other agents we work it with, does. which is awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, so when, over, over the years, as you've seen new agents get into the business, you know, what are some of the things that, and maybe it's a little bit of what we've just touched on, but what are some other things you've seen some folks maybe struggle with? And maybe not just seen new, like people hit plateaus or they feel like they've kind of, you know, they're hitting a slump or whatever. Right. What is it you can have typically seen as happening when, when folks experience that? I think a lot of times agents feel like they, or they spend money in the wrong places. Mm -hmm. um, and again, back to the, the, the people first and, and lasting relationships. That is so valuable. And spend, instead of spending so much money on this gimmick or that gimmick or this marketing piece or that, that's all important um, and has been important in building my business. But the most valuable thing, <clears throat> another lesson that I learned early on hmm. was, you know, having people in your home or building the relationships with your clients and being face to face with them instead of uh, it, new business is really expensive to get. Mm -hmm. Repeat business makes you so much more money. 
And so being in that face-to-face, -face, as much FaceTime or phone time uh, as you can get with someone, pick up the phone, call them, or ask them to launch or whatever. To me, that that is where uh, a lot of the new agents, um, you know, these days a lot of people don't want to do fo yeah. phone time or face-to-face -face or whatever. They want to text, and that's great, but anybody can text. But to say, hey, let's grab lunch, or let's do a happy hour, or come to my house for dinner, or, you know, get involved in their life mm -hmm. and be and stay involved in their life in a genuine way and to me that's that uh, spending that time is so much more important than spending that money because it's really easy as a new agent to you're hitting every class with you know, do this or spend this money here or do right. that, you know and that is not always the most valuable dollar spent yeah uh, as it is spending time with the person or with the people and getting their referrals yeah and so, i think that's so i think you're spot on I've, i was actually reading some statistics that Risk Media put out, and they kind of did a survey of you know thousands of agents, and what they found was that agents who the primary source of their business is referral-based earn on average $76,000 more a year oh. than the agents that are you know transactional, just always right. chasing a deal. Um, that's hard, that's hard, yeah. hard work to yeah. do that, so. Yeah, that, yeah, so there's more money in it, you right. know, by, by being yeah. that way. Um, so occasionally, I'm sure you're always working with people that are delightful um, as buyers and sellers, but I know occasionally, oh, you know, especially in a, in a hot market or, a, you know, a market where there's tight inventory sometimes, um, we can kind of come across some challenges. So kind of maybe share some of your wisdom over the years of when you're working with a buyer that's challenging or maybe a listing as well too. Um, uh, someone where you're trying to give them advice, but maybe, you know, right. they're not always receptive right. to what you're trying to tell listening. them will be the best thing yeah. to happen. Have you crossed those bridges over the years? Well, I think going back to communication, um, it, it, it's the it's natural to when there is a problem with a listing let's say that you don't want to call them you don't want to you, you'd rather just wait for them to call you or you'd rather ignore it or whatever but I think picking up the phone I always use sitting on the plane you don't yeah. mind sitting on a plane as long as you know what the problem is or right what you know what what's the expectation right and so the same with a, a challenging listing is to say hey I have nothing to tell you this week I've no, there's mm -hmm. there's not been any marketing that's gone out you've not had a showing it is quiet. I have nothing to tell you, but I want to let you know I'm here and I'm yeah. working on this. And call them before they call you. You know, and so to me, the the communication, keeping the lines of communication, and I'm not always perfect at that. And I, the, in the same way, after this many years, it's you still you're like, gosh, I just don't want to call them with mm -hmm. this bad news or with no news. Uh, but I think people really appreciate being communicated with. We yeah. all do in different parts of life communicate with me what's going on or or be honest with me yeah and I think a lot of agents are really afraid to give the bad news and say you're overpriced because that's what they think that we're gonna do is come back to them and tell them we're overpriced but we're their partner in this we're not just here working for them we're your partner and if I feel like I use the doctor analogy if your doctor tells you you know your dentist tells you to brush and floss and you don't do it that's on you yeah but if you follow these guidelines and you listen to me when I tell you we need to paint the cabinets or we need to adjust the price, you know, have those hard conversations. Mm -hmm. One of the hardest ones I ever had to have was a house I walked in and I was just hit with smoke and they still smoked and the walls were yellow and everything just smelled like smoke and it was a beautiful house. And what my gut said was, they need to move out of this house and have everything painted, but they're never gonna do that. But they did because I had the hard conversation and I mm -hmm. said, you wanna really know what's gonna take to sell this house? And I was honest with him and laid out a plan. And I didn't go in saying, oh, your house smells awful and this is, you know, it's never gonna sell. I gave them a plan and a way to get there. 
And after that, I thought, man, if I can get them to move out of this house and do all this stuff I just gave them, I could do anything. Yeah. And it worked. And those people are still so appreciative that I sat down and was had that hard conversation yeah. uh, instead of just letting them sit on the market and the third agent selling it. Yeah. You know? So have those hard conversations up front with listings, and, and it's it, you're doing them a favor. Well, and I, you know, I think what you've touched on perfectly right there is that whole idea of that you have to go in, is my objective to go in there and try to get a listing, or is my objective to go in and try to help them sell this house? Right. You know, if it's just to be a listing, then yeah, by no means, never have a hard conversation, right. go get the listing, tell them what they want to hear. And I even remember that back in my days as an attorney, you know, you'd be talking to a client, you'd kind of tell them the reality of it, and they're like, well, that's not what I wanted to hear. And I said, right. well, are you paying me to hear what you want to hear? Because you right. can go talk to Amir for free for that, or do you want someone who has some expertise in this matter to kind of tell you what the, what the real landscape is? Right. Um, and I think that's what our jobs are, is you're right, to have those that's hard conversations. Us, right? yeah. They think they're hiring us just to get it sold. Yeah. But then when you sit down and actually do your, <clears throat> you know, what's appropriate and go over with how I can help you, and I'm not just here to, you know, to sell your house, I'm your partner in this, and I'm going to guide you on how this is going to be most successful for you, then they, they trust you. Yeah. You know? And they realize that you're in it for their best interest, and they listen. And it doesn't always happen. There's yeah. some people that say, Heck no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but that may be the time to say this is not the right listing for yeah. me, you know, yeah. or, or the right buyer or whatever. If I'm if I'm telling you that there is no houses in this price range, yeah, and you still want to look in that price range. <laughs> it, it's I'm not doing anybody a favor. Yeah, so you yeah. Know, having the hard conversations. You know, the other thing too is you're not probably going to make it 17 years in this business and be successful as you are if you also haven't figured out a little bit of balance in your life and having fun. So, so how is it that you kind of bring that into your real estate career to make sure that you're not always kind of working to the grind and getting burnt out. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, you, you definitely, you know, your first so many years, you really got to be working every weekend. But I think the the balance is very important. Mm -hmm. um, and getting, understanding that, yes, it's okay to take some time off or to shut things down. And, and I don't post everything that I do on Facebook. I don't <laughs> need my clients to know that I'm taking all this time off. Uh, but I really find it valuable to take... To get out of town, you mm -hmm. know, to get out of town, and even if that's an hour away, you know, to East Texas, just to get out and relax, take a little time for myself. Um, my dog has been a big uh, part of relaxing <laughs> some days, um, but you know, it is. It's all about balance because you do yourself a service and then yeah. you do your clients a service too. Yeah. Because there are days when if you talk to one more person, you're going to say something inappropriate <laughs> or handle the transaction differently than you would naturally. And that's when it's time to say, okay, yeah. I need to take a little break. Yeah. And uh, and working with other, another thing that's, you know, that's been successful for me over the years is working with other people, helping, you know, finding a buddy or a partner or a group or a team, somebody that when, when you're at your wit's end, that you've got someone that you can turn to and say, mm -hmm. I need you to handle this. You know, we don't want to lose this client. We want to continue to successfully service this client. But... <laughs> I'm not the one to do it yeah. right now. Yeah. And so he, take this ball. And that's been huge for me to say, not be afraid to share something with somebody uh, within our company and find the right person that is for them. Yeah. You know? And that takes a little stress off you as well. So. Yeah. Well, and I think your point about getting out of town, I think in real estate, it's, you know, some people talk about doing staycations. I, I think in real estate, it's tough. If you're just at home, it's almost impossible right. to detach and stuff. So, like you said, even if it's just an hour outside right. of town to do that. Yep. Well, um, I think this was amazing info for, for everyone. 
um, just to kind of hear how you've done it over the last 17 years and I appreciate you sharing some of that wisdom Absolutely. and knowledge with everybody yeah. and I think there's going to be some takeaways for the folks that tuned in. So Absolutely. appreciate it. Chris, Absolutely. thanks so much. Thank you. Best of luck the rest of the thanks year. Thanks so much. Thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of Market Shapers and we'll see you next time.